1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Rangers Today Baseball Podcast. This is episode number 59, and today, Ross Finstermaker is going to join us. He is the long title, VP. He is Assistant General Manager of Player Development and International Scouting. We've been, Ross, that's who we talk to every time you see him, is Ross. Ross. Good friend, very willing to talk. He's been busy. He's finally going to join us today.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, minor player development, you know, Rangers still have eight, eight or nine guys going in the Arizona Fall League, you know, and... Uh, you know, since COVID hit, they've, they've moved the international signing period to the beginning of, or to January 15th from July 2nd. So there's a rush coming on that. So, um, yeah, he's he's a busy man and, you know, he's, he's in on the conversations, you know, the, you know, the, he, and he, he is a scout. So, I mean, his, his opinion is pretty, uh. Pretty important in that uh, that that operation.
1: Absolutely. He's going to join us here in a little bit. Right now, we're going to talk about the big leagues. First, guys, hey, hit the subscribe button right down there. We Hey, we got above the 1,000 uh, subscribers. We want to keep going. Yeah. Share this with people you know that are Ranger fans. Get, keep going up there. It's a great way for this podcast to make a little money, help s- sustain itself. Pay some it,
2: bills. Pay some <laughs> bills. and Also, paying bills, rangerstoday.com. Absolutely. Subscribe for full access for $5.99 a month, $35 for 6 six months, months or uh sixty dollars for a year and uh, uh you know it there's a lot of news happening absolutely and, and there's it's something only, dropping every day it's only going to pile up so absolutely um, don't miss anything
1: but before ross gets here yeah we got to talk about the big leagues we, yeah. we are in week two we're, we're two weeks out from Bochi, who has now been hired yeah he has not hired a pitching coach yet right one name has surfaced that we know that that there has been some conversations
2: yeah yeah a the, source sp- speaking of speaking of news this is at rangerstoday.com uh, mike Maddox says uh, uh had some uh, initial conversations with the rangers about about the job and um you know he he left st louis on good terms he was not fired he just was looking for a change they wanted him back yeah they wanted him back i mean why wouldn't you i mean he's uh his last 8 teams uh have all finished above 500 Six of them, including the 2015 Rangers, have gone to the postseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the this guy just just gets it done. He he's, he's really good at at um, like breaking down an opposing lineup. He 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 scours video and 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 looks it over and and I mean, look, you you, you saw what he did with the Rangers. You know, uh, uh, they had one losing season when he was their pitching coach, and in, in 2014 when the wheels fell off of everything. So. Um, the the guy gets results and and I think he's I think he would be a good fit with Chris Young you know Chris Young came from an era of pitching where guys went seventies you know yep. with regularity uh, and I know Chris is is uh, uh, warmed to uh, analytics some and I every coach has had to do it. Yeah, Ron Washington knows about analytics. Yep. Mike Maddox knows about analytics. So Bochy uh, said
1: he welcomes sure, it. Sure, he said, hey, "Look, I've got my deal, but do, <clears> you <throat> think I don't want any info I can get?" He yeah, said that
2: absolutely. These guys want to win. They want an edge, <laughs> yep. and they know how to apply it. Um, but anyway, you know those those Rangers teams had guys that went seven. And Colby Lewis, you know, yep. Cl- Cliff Lee, C.J. Wilson, <clears throat> you know, uh, Matt Harrison. You know, these guys would eat innings. Um, so. I know the game is changing and we can get into that in a second, but uh, he just seems like a good fit. Now other, other candidates, I don't know any of the other ones you can kind of speculate. Uh, we have, you know, Chris Young's past pitching coaches, uh, guys who worked with Bruce Bocci. Um, So I, I don't, I don't know which way they're going to go, but I would assume that it, it happens probably next week. Uh, but I don't think there's necessarily a rush, you know, pitchers can, you know, they're in their off season mode. They're not doing anything anyway, other than working out. They're not throwing yet. So I think that um, and it's not. It, like, there's time,
1: and it's not <laughs> like Bochy's not familiar with him because I read. I think you wrote it that, that he actually interviewed him with the Giants, the right? Giants,
2: the, yeah. When so Mike went from Rangers to Washington was, was hired like the next day by Washington uh, when when uh, Dust when Dusty Baker was let go for no real reason. Mike didn't want to stay around there, so um, he ended up. The way he told the story to me, he basically, he was playing golf when he talked to Rizzo, Mike uh, Rizzo, the the GM there in Washington. So he was about to tee off. He said, no, I'm not going to come back. By the time he got to the back nine, he had three phone calls, <clears throat> <laughs> three job offers, basically. And one of them was the Giants. And Bochy and, was manager. And Bruce Bochy was the manager. So I don't know how far down the, the road that got, but, you know, I think there would be interest. I think I think it's just a really good fit.
1: I, I and he's a he's a local guy. He's he's made yeah. his off season home here anyway. Yeah, correct. He, he likes it here. So um, you know, and like you said, it, it he did not get fired. Right. The, the Cardinals wanted him back. Yeah. He said, You know what, I'm I'm looking at I think it was either either I'm gonna go back somewhere close, uh, and be there or do something else. I think I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. that's my little conspiracy theory going on there.
2: Hopefully, we get to ask him about
1: it. Yeah, maybe maybe we will. And I tell you what, if he's the pitching coach, he's an in studio guy, right?
2: Oh yeah, he'll come in.
1: He'll come in studio, no doubt. Uh, Ross coming in later. We're gonna have some barbecue after that. But one thing they gotta have with the new pitching coach is they gotta have a pitching staff. (laughs) Yeah, they do. World Series. By the way, it's Friday, guys. World Series, three to two, Astros lead the World Series. Been a fun World Series. They kind of. Uh, last night's game was one of the better games. Yeah, uh, it was. has been a no hitter. That was a combined no hitter. Yeah. But this this is going to end in two days, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's either going to end tomorrow with the with Astros winning it, or it's going to end Sunday uh, with Game Seven. Either way, Monday free agency starts. You can talk to your own players for 5 days. You can't sign anything for 5 days.
2: Yeah, they can't sign for fi- players can't sign for 5 days and then on that 5th day,
1: you can sign your own players yeah, within yeah, that yeah, 5 yeah. days. Yeah,
2: But on on the 5th day, uh, well, I guess I'll hell break loose. But it's not like the NBA, you know, yeah. where there are deals that as soon as you know, midnight strikes, guys are signing for massive deals.
1: Last year it was kind of that way, but we were coming up against a yeah, December 1st deadline. Yeah.
2: And but you know, there are advantages to that, you know. I I, I think that uh um, getting in there early and, and getting your team sets, not a bad idea, but yeah, it may slow down again, but you know, the GM meetings are, are next week. Um, not going to those. My, my, my bachelor, the bachelor inside me is disappointed because they're in Las Vegas, but, um, <laughs> but
1: you have a wife now you're not wife, a bachelor. wife
2: and wife and kids, you know, it <laughs> kind of makes sense not to go. Uh, and it's, you know, my wife's 40th birthday is next week. So I can't, I can't screw that up. I can't go to Las Vegas and lose our alum our, our, our rent payment or our house payment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. House payment. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, some, some things could happen, you know, free agency will be open. Uh, it's at, at the end of the meeting. So maybe some groundwork is laid and there's some quick deals that, that happen. But um, yeah, you know, Martin Perez
1: got back behind him. That's the one
2: I've been wanting to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Not sure why that hasn't happened yet. Um, they have talked. Martin's uh, agent was going to talk with the Rangers again this week. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense, you know. Uh, it's you need you need pitching. You have a guy that wants to be here. You have a guy who is really really was good. Who is the
1: best pitcher on your staff?
2: Yeah, one of the best in the league. Um, and he thinks that this is who he is now, you know. And and maybe you want him to go out and prove it. All right, but it looks like it's it's going to come. He's going to become a free agent. I don't know. I don't know. He's going to I, don't know a I don't know offer. what happened this week, and it looks like he would get a qualifying offer, which this year is nineteen point four million dollars. That's a big raise, massive raise. He made four million last year, probably the best value in the league. Um, so, you know, would he take it? You know, there are advantages to taking it. You you get the one year, you you prove yourself right, and you prove yourself that you can do it again. You repeat this this season. He's only what thirty one. Thirty one. He'll be thirty two April fourth, I think, and then you go. Into free agency next year, you can't be made the qualifying offer again because that's just it's just a one-time thing. So then he goes in without any teams worried about having to give up draft pick compensation. So that's that's one avenue that he could do, and and all teams like one-year deals, you know. And and if he takes a one-year deal, that gives you know maybe twenty twenty-four. That's they you know he goes somewhere else, and and the Rangers have uh, Jack Lighter ready to step into the rotation, something like that. Uh, But it, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me now. If he does leave, you know, if he's given the offer, turns it down, uh, gets a free agent deal, uh, the Rangers would get draft pick compensation, and that that could be a big deal because it seems like the Rangers are going to be signing some guys who are getting qualified. We're going to get qualified. Kind of Rodon
1: like, seems to be the big one. Yeah, you know,
2: last year last year um, they signed Simeon and Seeger and and had to surrender their second or third round picks which they were fine with because you're not going to do better than Simeon and Seeger in the draft. And they so, had them for
1: long-term. It wasn't some yeah, two-year deal yeah. or something like so, that.
2: So I, I don't know. I, I It's just me. I mean, I really like Martine. But um, the the thing I like the most at a, on a, from a starting pitcher is recording outs. I don't care how he gets them. And the Rangers seem to be kind of hung up on, on strikeout rate, and Martine's was a, below average or a little below average, although he had the most called strikeouts yeah in baseball which is which is interesting so the guy knows how to get get out he's a sinker ball guy i mean and, and 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 he he's like a leader in the clubhouse if you're going to overhaul your rotation and bring in three new guys you'll have john gray okay you still need an, another guy that these guys are familiar with you know because a lot of guys are coming back sure and and you know martine uh because he's from venezuela is bilingual the the latin pitchers look to him he's latin also players all together yeah him. and he's also a You know he he'll he'll he's a leader. Period. Yes. He'll call
1: out. He he told us privately some guys he called out said you need to be a leader in this clubhouse. Yeah. I'm not saying anything about that, but he will. He is not afraid to step up Mm -mm. and say you need to lead. You need to set the example. You need to be there. You're this is a team deal. This guy's value goes beyond the fact that he had a sub three ERA and yeah. had a 996 innings.
2: <clears throat> he's got a, he's got 10 year service time. I mean, that tells you, you know, that's, that's worth a lot. That's a huge deal for players. Yes. It means that you get a full pension when you retire, but 10 years is is a, is a heck of a deal and, and for him to reach it this soon. Um, and, and with a lot of miles left on his arm, I mean, look, he, he threw 196 in a third innings this year. He threw 114 last year, and he threw 82 extra innings like it wasn't any problem at all.
1: Not at all. He looked uh, great,
2: and and you need guys like this because you know going back to what we we're talking about, the game's changing. You know, you you see starters go five innings and you know think they did serve a ticker tape parade or something, you know, and and you can't have that. You can't have five guys who go five innings. No, you've got to have a you've got to have somebody who's reliable and who can get to the seventh, eighth, at least the sixth. Well, Martin Perez is going to do that. And so that saves the that saves the bullpen. You gotta have one of those guys. Well the and, thing, yeah. and, and if you have him as your number four starter with yeah. a three eight ERA and 190 innings, that is well, very, very
1: valuable. Oh, unbelievable. And the thing he did that was so different from the old Martin <laughs> we used to know. Martin Perez used to, if he gave up two, three runs in the first inning, that could derail him. Yeah. We saw that happen when he was young, he would get derailed, flustered. This is a guy that would go give up four four runs in the first inning or the first two innings and still go seven. Yeah. You need that guy. Sure. You need that guy to either keep them in the game, four runs is not unattainable for this offense. Mm-hmm. If it gets going, they've proved all year they could come back on anybody if someone would keep them in it. That is such a valuable person to have. Yeah. He doesn't just quit and go out of it and go, that's it, I'm done. He he, he buckles down. This was not the old Martin. This was a new Martin. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, worst case scenario, that's your fourth or fifth starter. That's a damn good rotation.
2: Very, very good. Period. So I, again, I, I don't I don't get it. But I'm, you know, we we're not don't behind make the <laughs> we're not behind the scenes we're not in there
1: we're not writing the checks so,
2: somebody somebody who is is, is Ross Fenstermaker. so uh, Ross is here he's coming in studio we really appreciate that yep. so um let let's go to him right let's, now let's and, get to him let's get yeah, him in here dive into that farm system
1: next up Ross Fenstermaker is going to join us guys right after this. Joining us now is Texas Ranger Vice President, Assistant General Manager in charge of Player Development and International Scouting. This is a long title, Ross. It's Ross Fenstermaker. (laughs) Ross, man, we appreciate you coming on, man.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. We've talked to you so
1: many times about doing this and finally got a chance to get you on
0: here. The world of player development never ends. It doesn't. No, no. uh, We're during the season, we're in the cycle and during the offseason, we're in a different cycle, so. It's nonstop always. Yeah, that's what we were saying uh, in the first segment. Like,
2: now now you're building up to the January 15th period. You still got guys in the fall league, and you've got off-season programs to worry about. I mean, it's like, it really is.
0: Yeah, and winter ball, too. So, yeah. um, it's a nonstop cycle. Um, in some ways, the off-season is more busy than the season itself um, mm. as you go through the day-to-day, but um, it's part of the gig and, and absolutely love it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> keeps us busy all right farm system yeah you like it uh yeah yeah i hope so uh, <laughs> no i i think it's i think it's exciting you know where we what we've been you know spending our resources and our time on over the last couple of years um taking it from relative obscurity in the back half of some of those rankings to what we think is a top five system in the game and pretty excited about not only the the talent that we have but the depth of talent that mm-hmm. we have Um, I think it's it's probably one of the best top tens in baseball. Um, We may not have the headliner top prospect in the game or top five, but um, I think we have depth at all levels and pitching, hitting, defenders, athletes—you know, everything that you could possibly want in a system. I think we can offer that right now.
2: We had uh, we had Jim Callis on the show like I don't know about
0: three weeks ago, four
2: uh, weeks ago during the season. Anyway, okay, he said the Rangers have the best top ten in in baseball. Nice, so. It's good to hear. He knows what he's doing. Emphatically stated
1: yeah. that. Said, as far as top 10 prospects, Rangers have the best top 10 prospects in baseball.
2: Yeah. So, but where where do you think is,
0: if you had to pick one strength, what is it? I think right now we're amassing quite an impressive collection of arms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what's unique about them is, uh, I think they're building up a double-A, triple-A at this point, um, where they're at proximity to the big leagues now. I think there are some trials and tribulations that come with pitching um, and it's somewhat of a nonlinear path to the big leagues, but i yeah. uh, pretty excited about the arm talent that we have in the wave of, of, of pitching prospects that are kind of knocking on the door. But I really think it, it's hard to, to specifically identify an area because I, I think that in terms of performance and production over the last year, our, our hitters have outpaced our pitchers, uh, mm-hmm. particularly at the top half of our, you know, our, our prospect list. So um, I hate to be generic and say everything is—it's really good, but I do feel like there's everything is above average to solid at this point, you know.
2: Yeah, the um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, you have the Rule Five draft coming up that I know is a cool. concern for the team, but I mean, I don't know how your Double A AA and Triple A rotations are going to work out next year. You have like a log jam there, just ready to break through. I mean, it's a great problem to have. The, what's but, wrong with that? Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, but I mean, it could be interesting. Like, you know. Does Jack Leiter go back to double A for a month and prove that he can move now to, you know, and Cody Bradford, who finished double A so well, if he doesn't go in the Rule 5 draft? I mean, I'm not looking for answers, but it just seems like you're right. Where where the talent was two and three years ago was low A and high A, or even shoot Arizona, or not even in the system. Yeah. And now it's here and you get to deal with it. So that's where the excitement going got to come in.
0: It's, it's certain it's exciting. Yeah. It's a problem, but a good problem to have one that I would take every year of my career in terms of having <laughs> problems. Um, You know, I think we've created that, <clears throat> that critical mass at the upper levels and it's probably going to force us to be less productive or less uh, involved in minor league free agency this year. I think we'll still sign some NRIs yeah. and guys that will go to AAA, but In terms of building out our upper level rotations, I think it's all going to come from within, and we'll see how things shake out in terms of people repeating levels, promotions, and all that. But you know, at the end of the day, like it's not really about where you start; it's Mm -hmm. it's how you finish the year. And a lot of this stuff tends to sort itself out during spring training and you know the off season going into spring training. So, but we did do the projected roster exercise the other day, and it was uh, (laughs) we've got some more work to do. (laughs) Let me tell you.
2: Do you ever see? There's a, a stand up guy. It was an old bit. He's like telling the story of how the postal service came up with the postal col- the two the two letter postal codes for for every state. And I think Gary something is his name. Anyway, they're like, oh, this is gonna be a piece of cake. You know, they're at like this hotel and he, oh, he, it's I've a whole thing. Man. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. And he's like Alabama, no problem, AL. And they were like Alaska, I'm like oh shit. So, <laughs> so it's like it's like you know that's kind of what I'm thinking. This meeting was like is like we can put this guy here. Oh well, where are we gonna put this guy? And so anyway. Trying to just
1: do a top 20 list. You know how my list goes. I was having to leave off guys that were, like, on it before, and I was like, I would throw the pin down and have to to go walk in a circle and go, okay, I've got to make an excuse for why I'm moving this guy down and this guy up.
2: Anyway. Uh, So, right now, though, there are nine guys in the fall league. Uh, The the headliner is Mr. Rocker, who his last time out was really, really good. Yeah. What
0: have you guys seen from from him? Steady progression, start to start. Um, You know, I think – Kamar coming out, knocking off a little bit of the rust, getting feel for his body. He's been really focused on his delivery and mm-hmm. his health in the initial go and building up a little bit. Um, I think the strikes were inconsistent as he was feeling his way through his delivery. But in this last start, uh, we had several evaluators there. And, I mean, the texts that were coming in and the calls after <laughs> were as exciting as you could possibly get. I mean, it was 94 to 97. Um, the, the wipeout slider was there. Mm-hmm. The changeup was good. The uh, confidence, the aura, the way that he goes about it, it's it's very alpha. And incredibly fun to watch. Oh, yeah. So I can't wait for our fans to get to see him in Arlington, hopefully in the very short future. Now he's a, he's another interesting case because you know
2: do where does he start next year? Because you guys had the the lighter experience where he started at Double A and made all the starts. Maybe encountered some some more bumps, but he had never pitched before this year in the at least professionally. But now Rocker does have a little taste against really elite elite guys, probably higher than Double A level, right? Yeah. So where does, what, what do you, what do you do with him? But I mean, and, and you, you're probably so eager. You just want to let him run, but yeah, he's
0: trying he, to get you to answer He, that. he, he, he was uh, he was an interesting postal code during our exercise, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think, I think in all honesty, um, you know, every player is unique and different Jack to Kamara, I, hmm. I don't think they're related to one another, but I think our general philosophy is, is what do we want to accomplish with the player? With, in Jack's instance, we want to accomplish Jack by pushing him aggressively. We yeah. wanted him to have a challenge. We wanted it to be a challenging environment. We weren't seeking performance in production. Kamar's, <laughs> we will have those discussions in this offseason and, and into spring training in terms of what we think is best for Kamar. and. What's exciting about him is no matter where we, we send him, I know he's going to compete like he belongs a higher level. Mm. Um, he probably sees himself as a big leaguer, even though he knows he has development. And that is it the right mentality we want out of our players. We want them to be disappointed wherever we assign them if it's not yeah. the major leagues. So right, right. Um,
2: what did you think of Jack's season? I mean, you just said what you just said. Challenge wasn't necessarily performance based.
0: Yeah, I think, I think <clears throat> in Jack's season had some positives and it had some growing opportunities as well. I think he would be the first to say he underperformed his expectations, and he learned a lot throughout the course of the season. The things that we challenged him on, um, I think he did a good job in, in terms of understanding his strengths better, where his fastball plays in the strike zone. Um, It can play in all areas of the strike zone, but where it most effectively plays in the strike zone. And enhancing the slider, the development of the slider, was a big positive for us this year, because we see those two pitches as the key to his success moving forward. Um, I think the areas in which Jack was disappointed or would like to improve upon are probably commanding the baseball um, and, and ultimately control as well. Mm. You know, command is a more refined version of control, but I think he'd like to get ahead, stay ahead and finish a lot better. Um, in order to finish, you need to get ahead, strike one. Um, and I think that's an area of opportunity for him as he you know moves into the off season and a huge positive on the season as well for Jack is he, he stayed healthy. He yeah. we missed a, we shut him down for his arm fatigue at one point, just to kind of monitor his workload, make sure that we weren't pushing him too hard coming off the, the college season. And he dealt with a little thing in his foot too, that was very minor. Um, but at the end of the year, he he posted he was healthy, um, and I think he had a lot to take away from the season. So, well, and he was a part of that team the whole yeah. the whole year. I and mean, won that, a championship.
2: Uh, I mean,
1: I, fun. That was fun.
2: I I've, I've talked to you about this. You guys don't set out ready to go 122 or whatever. You just want to play winning brand of baseball. So what is that to you?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think it's a couple of things. I think dominating the fundamentals are really important for us in terms of like what is most successful for big leaguers to do. I think you have to play a, a quality brand of baseball in order to be a winning team. Um, I think wins are a byproduct in the minor leagues and the major leagues Our wins are a byproduct of talented players playing fundamentally sound baseball. So quality baseball. Hmm. So really that, that's what we look for. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. We were one of the youngest per level teams at every affiliate this year. Um, and all but one had a winning record. Um, and when we look at it, you know, as we discussed, we, we don't set out to necessarily win, but we had like Frisco and others. We had quality baseball players, talented baseball players that that played a fundamentally sound brand of baseball. And we ended up winning more than we lost and winning a championship in Frisco. Well,
2: and the one team that finished below 500 was one game below 500. Yeah. And their finale got rained out, or they would <laughs> have had a chance to at least get to 500. Uh, and, and another thing, uh, you've been on this this specific job for like just over a year. Yeah. There's kind of a restructuring, um, wanting to get the messaging from top to bottom. How how much did that change help with the success this year?
0: I think some, but not necessarily through um, the removal per se, but more just creating alignment from top to bottom. You know, I, you know I've been involved in a lot of our areas uh, over the last several years, you know, major leagues all the way down mm-hmm. and have really good relationships as others do in this organization. Just felt like, you know, working with, with John Daniels and Chris Young, like what was the message? What was the vision? What are we trying to accomplish at the major league level? How do we enact that in the minor league level? you know, top to bottom and bringing everything together. I think we had a unique opportunity last year and we were able to do that through some of the restructuring through different people and positions, you know, bringing in Josh Bonifay as a farm director, Kenny Holmberg was a A manager, making him the field coordinator, beloved by all throughout the organization. Mm. Um, just some of the different things that we did, uh, restructuring the pitching department a little bit, restructuring the hitting department, brought in a lot of new hitting coaches. Um, we were really looking for, um, disciples of our religion, so to speak, and make sure that, you know, we have diversity of thought, but consistency throughout the organization. And I think we, we did a good job this year and it translated to, um, speaking truth to our players and, 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 and helping them be their best selves. So this, this is my
2: 15th year on the beat. And I think the thing I've noticed that of late that has changed the most is how minor league pitchers warm up. Hmm. For their bullpens and and what sides and and even games, with all the band work, the weighted balls, um, that's that's a biometric thing. That's not really an analytic thing. So, how much has that changed here the last four or five years? And are the are there benefits? What are the benefits from that?
0: God, that's a great question. Probably uh, knowing the limits of my own uh, knowledge here, I don't want to step too far outside <laughs> of that in my circle of competence, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think it's changed a lot. I think it's changed a lot through a lot of uh, research-oriented developments that we've had, whether that's you know, facilities like Driveline or some of these okay. other places that are out there. I think the players have learned and grown and, and, and understood that there are a lot of different ways of doing it. Um, I don't know what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best answer is usually athlete-specific. Whatever makes them feel most ready and prepared to compete so long as it's not a detriment to their process, I am fully supportive because I think this game is very mental and whatever makes individuals most confident to perform between the lines is, is paramount. Yeah. I mean,
2: from a like health standpoint this year, you guys have avoided the rash of catastrophic injuries, which is good. You, you guys, as you say, you were overly cautious, like with Jack specifically, but, you know, maybe Dustin Harris there at the end probably could have played. I don't know, but that um, just that seems like something that a you guys needed, but b that is new and to you know Nap and all those guys. Yeah,
0: I mean, incredible year on yeah. the on the health side of things, and, and kudos goes to Napoleon Pichardo, who's our director of performance and his team, Logan Franson, on the strength and conditioning side, performance side. You know, Chris Olson, who's no longer with us, he took a job out of industry. And Sean Fields is now going to be with our major league team. Mm. Um, I mean, just the way that, that that group collaborated with our affiliate coaches, with our coordinators was fantastic. And, you know, I, I don't know if what's the right process and we'll see how this plays out over the next several years. But we really tried to intervene when we saw fatigue signs um, and tried to nip minor issues in the bud and mm-hmm. not make them bigger issues. And I think we were successfully able to pull that off. And it was a very positive year overall. And I I take very little uh, responsibility for that. It's really <laughs> the, the directors and coordinators and affiliate coaches just integrated and communicating at a high, high level. So kudos to them. Uh, well, I mean, before you were this, you were like the head of pro scouting. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm sure you won't take credit for this either. But like... Oh. The pro scouts have been awesome. killing it lately. Oh, my gosh. Um, what, 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 I mean, Mike Parnell is is the yeah. guy now. How, how does that come together? I mean, is it just a lot of eyeballs, you know, seeing stuff? Is there, is there analytics and data involved? Like, you know, uh, Matt Moore. Yeah. You know, Matt Moore is a huge success story. You know, these mid-tier pitchers, Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson. I mean, what, how... That's, that's a scouting thing. Hey, Martine. Yeah, well, of course, Martine. Yeah. A lot of hits. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's similar to the way that, you know, this change over to PD, we approached pro scouting was to really create a collaborative environment. Um, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of skills. And, mm. you know, our scouts are very much involved in the operation identifying talent and opportunities. Um, our R&D department is very much involved in, you know, synthesizing some of that information and providing recommendations and then really uh, kudos to, to JD, CY, Josh Boyd, uh, Mike Parnell. The ability to synthesize all that information and make high-quality recommendations year over year has been pretty impressive in terms of our track record. And um, I don't think it it's never one individual. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is no fulcrum of the operation. <laughs> the operation itself is what makes it successful and mm-hmm. the ability to trust baseball people and um, diverse thoughts in terms of our more analytically oriented group and, and blend it mm-hmm. all together and, and make recommendations. Yeah. It seems
2: like there's a good mix of old school and new school.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just had our pro meetings and there's 30 something people in there and tons of different backgrounds, from right. young to old to, um, heavily, heavily, uh, analytically focused to, uh, well, very heavily subjectively focused and, and scouting focused. And the key to the operation is not, uh, valuing anyone more than the other it's Mm. to blend them all appropriately and understand and identify Mm -hmm. opportunities when they present themselves
2: yeah and it seems like some of these come together quickly i know like a trade you you guys are familiar with the organization anyway but like the the joey gallo trade yeah three guys in the major leagues who did stuff this year and and then trevor hover who's
0: the king of walks in the fall (laughs) that's right
2: that's right yeah it just how do you identify those guys? You know? Yeah. I mean, and then there's a component like the Yankees tell you like this, you can from this group, mm -hmm. you
0: know, pick from this group. There's a lot of back and forth on that understanding who is and who is not available with certain teams and what they're willing to discuss or what they're not willing to discuss. Um, But in terms of identifying those players specifically, when I talk about the, the collaborative process, it, it actually begins as amateurs. You know, it mm. begins with us sitting in the room with Kip and his team and, and listening to the way that they talk and articulate these players' skill sets and their makeup and their backgrounds. And you really start with a great foundation. And as we follow them as professionals, you you build more and more comfort and conviction in who are the targets that fit the Texas Rangers. Mm. And so, you know, Mike and myself, when I was the director of Pro Scouting, we, we worked tandem, you know, hand in hand. We're really building out what we call conviction lists and you know, high, medium, low conviction list. They're not all players. They're not the top prospect list that you see. But what we're trying to identify is the way that I navigate the problem with, with Mike is, hey, if, if you and I got in a car accident and we disappeared, like, would JD or CY or whoever's the general manager at the president at the time understand who our targets are with each organization? And like, we built a list that's like, you can pluck and play these players off this list. And that's really built over years and years of time and experience and starts at the amateur level. Um, with all these players, so mm-hmm. all right, Um John, is it time for me? Yeah, I'm.
1: I'm enjoying this. I mean, this is fun. You let me off
0: the hook so easily. It, yeah.
1: Well, you know. Well, and we I've want got, you to come back. Well, I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one that kind of goes along there. So, so when when Cy is in the middle of a trade, mm-hmm. or he's got something going on, with JD, when yep. JD was there too, are you? You're a, voice, a sounding board, they're at you, they're going, Hey, look, we've got this guy on the board. We are in this organization, and you're there going, Okay, we've got this is what we have. And I mean, it's it's a whole collaborative deal, right? It yeah.
0: Goes- so I mean, our our setup is similar to, you know, an officer room. Um, usually when we're making decisions, it's a tighter group. There's about four or five of us in there and it's really, you know, JD or C wire on the phone and having conversations and we're writing things on the board and hey, let me let me kick that to the group and see what you know what mm. we think about that. And hang up. We talk about it. Is that something we're comfortable doing? Hey, why don't we ask for this? No, we can't ask for that. That'll break the deal. Like, you know, those, those dialogues and those discussions happen really together in a small group in the moment. And then as soon as we're like, yeah, we're in and it's, you know, the final decision maker makes the call. See why now, like we call them back and we let them know. Wow. Have you ever had one? Is there an an interesting case now that
1: it's, everything's done of one that's happened where Some guy you just were pounding the table. Go get this guy, and it ended up being great. Like some, an an example would be like a Dustin Harris, who everybody was thinking of the other part of that. Yeah, yeah, and then Dustin Harris. I mean, has there ever been a case like that where you're like, get this one? If they'll let us have this one, take this guy, and then they've turned into the look. There's been a ton of success with trades. I mean, recently we're seeing some great talent come back in this organization during the rebuild.
0: Is there a point though? I mean, you're there. I mean, they're like, go go for this guy, or oh, I don't know about this guy. Yeah, that's a good question, John. I. I think a potential example of that would be when we did the Yankee deal, we were talking about a bunch of different players and um, it was basically a non-negotiable to get Ezekiel Duran in the deal. And they were saying, no, no. And we we basically took them off at a point and we were going to try to build a deal without Duran in the deal. And I, you know, we, we sat there amongst the group and and not me specifically, but you know, a couple of us were like, Hey, we need Duran, ask for Duran. They'll do Duran. They, they, they clearly want Joey like, Let's push for let's push on Duran and put Duran back in the deal and they ultimately said yes and we got Duran and played in the big leagues this year. So hmm. sometimes you I'm wired in a way. Uh people that know me well, I n I don't take no for an answer usually. <laughs> uh um, I push and push and push and and sometimes um I, I I'm reprimanded for it. But yep. At the end of the day, like I want what's best for the Texas Ranger fans. I want us to get the best players we possibly can. I want us to win. That's a great example. We'll see, I love what's, that.
2: What's Duran doing this offseason? He... Duran's
0: playing winter ball right now. Oh, he is so he's playing winter ball down there in Dominican. He's going to be playing center field and corner outfield primarily. Ah. So try to add some diversity, uh, versatility to his skill set. Yeah, yeah, you know, we we
2: we got away this year without without getting like the full as B riders the full like winter league rundown. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I, I knew Leodi wasn't playing. But I didn't know Duran was
0: playing. Yeah, he's playing. Uh, we got a, quite a few playing in, in Puerto Rico. A few that will be playing in winter ball. Um, it's kind of a to-be-determined still. But, yeah, should be good. Is uh, Blaine Krim going back to defend his batting crown? Bl- Blaine Krim is not. Uh, oh, we, man. <laughs> we actually, he called me at the end of the season, and we talked a little bit about it. He said, hey, what do you think is right? And I said, hey, man, I can't make this decision for you. Like, no matter what, you're in great standing with the organization. If you need to go down there, defend your crown, make some money, totally understand if you need to stay home with your wife and work on your body, work on some other things that you really haven't had an opportunity to work on, you know, in a, yeah. a real off season, I, I fully support that too. I want you to know you have hundred percent support from the organization. you ultimately decided to, Hey, I want to invest in some things with my swing, my body and prepare for, you know, spring training this year is a huge year for me. Mm-hmm. I'm rule five eligible, you yeah. know, triple a next year, like knocking on the door, maybe big leagues. We'll see. Well, because
2: he, he came into spring training so smoking hot, like no dude, those live VPs, he was just hitting home run. Well, yeah, before, home they, run. before the
1: before <laughs> the before they had a deal together with the major league players, you and I were there that week, and he was the guy that was yeah. live batting practice, hitting the ball four hundred feet. I mean, it, it, it was it was it great
2: was to see ruining guys' confidence.
1: All right, Ross, we're gonna get into you now. It's time All to right. talk about you. So you're from Granite Bay, California. I am. You did play baseball. So you, I, you I did because you played at University of Cal Davis, right? I did, UC Davis. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, and you were a
0: pitcher. I was.
1: Left-hander, right-handed?
0: Uh, left-handed. You were a left-handed yeah. pitcher. I, and I would describe it more as a thrower, not necessarily a pitcher. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. All right. So any other sports you played growing
0: up? I played football. Uh, I played basketball. Um, I stopped playing football my sophomore year of high school. I broke my back. Okay. Um, oh, oh. But I was recruited a little bit, uh, some smaller schools on the West Coast to play DN, linebacker. Um, okay, But when I fractured my back, uh, the doctor basically told me, hey, stick to the the non-contact sport of baseball. So How'd you break your back? So actually, it's, it's a condition called parsed defect that I think that I had since birth, um, a minor fracture. But I think during football, the compression mm. of football yeah. Yeah. took the fracture and ended up chipping off a dime-sized piece of my bone in my L3, L4 vertebrae um, which caused a lot of pain in my back. No. And then the doctor said, Hey, you know, if you keep doing that compression, you could really, you could destroy your vertebrae. Mm. Like, so probably, probably stop that you know, at 16 <laughs> years old.
1: Now, sure. now you didn't, you didn't play pro ball. So you I did didn't, not you did not get drafted. No. So you, you didn't do that. So what, um, did you have any other colleges that looked at you besides that possibly to pitch or I throw did, yeah. as you say?
0: Yeah. So I was, uh, I was afforded quite a few opportunities to play on the West Coast. I wanted to stay in locally in California. I think the the two schools that I had the most interest in um, outside of UC Davis uh, were San Diego State, who called me to offer me a scholarship af- the day after, or not a scholarship, a, a preferred walk-on, I think is what they were calling <coughs> yeah. it, a potential scholarship the day after I committed to UC Davis. Mm. And then the other school that I spent uh, a decent amount of time being recruited by was Oregon State before they were known. As Oregon, as Oregon State. State. They <laughs> yeah. won back-to-back national championships the year after I went to college. So I missed out on that, <clears> two <throat> rings. But yeah, those were probably the two other schools. And I looked at some some Ivy League schools as well, because I had had decent grades. I, I could get in as a um, scholar-athlete in <clears throat> yeah. some other schools. But
1: yeah. UC Davis ended up... Now, you know, you're, you grew up over there on the West Coast. What were your teams growing up? Who were your favorite
0: Teams. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I think my love for baseball came from watching the Giants growing up. Okay. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm a big Barry Bonds fan. Um, yeah. I think he's the greatest singer of all time. Uh, you know, I I think before and after both eras, uh, just incredibly fun to watch and, and uniquely gifted as a baseball player and just really fell in love with it. I'm, really, I'm originally from Alameda. I was born there. That's where my family's oh, from, right. which is right across from San Francisco yeah. Bay. So Yeah. My dad would take me to Candlestick when I was young. We'd sit in the bleachers, uh, Freeze bear off. the wind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whippy wind. Will Clark also loved. So, yeah, I grew up a Giants fan, and that was really where my passion started, but huge sports fan in general. I think so. One, were you I a think Giants
1: one, fan, or were you a, uh, well, I mean, were you a 49er fan too?
0: Huge 49er fan. Still probably a yeah, 49er big, fan. Big time still. Um, have some friends that work in the front office there. Golden uh, State, you like the? Do not like the Warriors. I, oh, infor- I like. That. I'm a Sacramento Kings fan. Okay, Interesting. <laughs> so and I, I will. I am a loyal Sacramento uh-huh. Kings fan. It's uh, um, somewhat embarrassed to admit, given the way that things have gone in the last 20 <laughs> years. All right, but I will not quit, and at some point the tides will turn. So you that's know, all
2: the, right. Uh, the 49ers traded <clears throat> Jeff Wilson this week. Ah, and occasionally Jeff I will Wilson get Junior. Yeah, people will tag me. Oh, yeah, you did. Thinking I'm Jeff Wilson. Man. <laughs> yeah. I just let it go. I don't want to, like, Well, you got a blue check mark. That's him.
1: why everybody tags you. They think that you're him.
2: Yeah. Okay, you gotta, so. You got to pay for that now. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Or, or
0: it, I don't need it. it whatever. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's so It's not a big deal. When when did you know you wanted to be in baseball? It's a great question. So I went into college as a baseball player. Um, decent self-evaluator. Thought, hey, this is going to be unlikely that I'm going to be a pro player. What do I want to do? I thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, I kind of went in the pre-med path, um, and, and failed miserably by my Mm. first quarter of school as I was trying to learn how to be a student athlete. And, Mm. uh, the academic department wasn't necessarily, um, accommodating to athletes in in some regards. So that ship sailed. And then towards the tail end, I thought baseball is not a reality for me working in a front office. That's like, that's a, that's a dream, you know, but I'll apply. I'll try to get in, but I really thought I was going to end up being, you know, working for a hedge fund or working um, wealth management, you know, portfolio management for people. I, I am passionate about that. I still, to this day, I love helping people with their money and taking care of them. Um, I do it out of just benevolence and, and just fun advice versus like sure. a formal career path. But I realized like towards the tail end that, you know, let's let's give baseball a shot. And you know, my, my final, my senior year in college, I, Started, uh, I went to the winter meetings uh, in Las Vegas. I uh, didn't get a single interview. Didn't understand how to do it. Um, learned some lessons. And then I uh, just kept, I wrote a little bit um, as a ghost writer. I talked to several different people around the game. Had no connections. I just uh, formed my forged my own path. And yeah, it ultimately changed when I applied randomly uh, for a teamwork online job um, as a, an internship with the Seattle Mariners in the advanced sc- video scouting department. And I thought it was an accident. <clears throat> um, what happened because it was posted and you never saw baseball ops positions posted on teamwork. It was more like minor league operations positions. And it was taken down within 24 hours. And what I later found out was over a thousand people applied in 24 hours. Oh so gosh. somehow I, I filtered through the first crack. And and then Andrew Percival, who's, who hired me with the Seattle Mariners at the time, said that uh, he ended up doing, I think 45 face-to-face interviews for this job. Jeez. So somehow I made it through this gauntlet to get this opportunity. And that's really how my career started. Hmm. So tell me
1: your path to where you are now. So you start out there. Yeah. So tell me where it goes.
0: So I so I worked for a year there in Seattle. It's um, kind of in a, a makeshift closet, um, <laughs> you know, basically entering games into a, a database, video database, and then helping prepare some reports. And then at the end of the year, I got exposed to a little bit of the draft and I was pretty passionate about that. Uh, the Mariners actually sponsored me to go to <laughs> scout school. That's something that's run by MLB, Um, around the fall league time, instructional league time. I went there, had a great experience. I was 23 at the time. And Tom McNamara, who was the scouting director, was like, you know, I, I think you're going to be good. I think your career is bright, but not not ready to hire you as an area scout yet. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go look for other opportunities. Had a mutual connection. Andrew actually, Percival, who was my boss in Seattle, had worked in Texas prior as a, in the same internship capacity. He said, hey, I think this would really fit you if you can get this opportunity. So I interviewed for a few positions in Indianapolis with other clubs um, and the position with Texas and was offered a few opportunities and ultimately chose Texas to work as an intern for another year. Um, did that, got exposed to everything in 2010, got to go to the World Series and watch the Giants beat the Rangers, which was cool. My dad passed away, was a Giants fan. Yeah. So he got to go to every World Series game with me, with me which is an awesome memory. And then really from there, went straight pro scouting, uh, went out in the field, scouted uh, with Josh Boyd, who was my boss at the time, mm-hmm. then got involved in international scouting just out of passion in the offseason. we go do winter ball <clears> coverage, <throat> see some amateurs. Gil Kim was the director at the time, oh. He's now at the yeah, Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, and that grew into uh, overseeing the pro department and then overseeing the international department at the same time. And then, you know, from there, grew into player development. Now,
1: international, was that... Uh, Pacific Rim too. Do you, were you over that, or do you have people? Out
0: there? So the pro scouting department oversees that um, because it's heavily on the pro side, not the international sure. amateur side. Right. Um, so Josh Boyd is is really responsible for the pack Rim operations. But I would I would help him. I would go over there. I would I would see players as well. I would you know help manage some of the staff that we have over there. But he by and large handles all that. The
1: Rangers have a presence over there, right? They have yeah. a few over there. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, and when I started, there were a couple signings, and then.
2: Uh, yeah. But the presence was growing, and obviously they signed Darvish. And well,
1: well you know me; I'm yeah. fascinated by it. I always uh-huh. have in my little off-season GM stuff I do for fun. I always have someone from 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 uh, the MPB or even the KBO. Uh-huh. I like; I just love those guys. I think, and they've all done well. I, for me personally, what I think they're not going to do. So, what do you do in your spare time? What do you like to do? Yes, no spare
0: time. <laughs> I know, you
1: know. I mean, it was literally, guys. He's been saying he was going <laughs> to. You've been saying you were going to come on with us a long time. And, it, and you were not blowing us off. You were really busy. And so you kept... I think it right. was a little blow-off.
2: Yeah, were no, sure. No. But you, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, me. Did. He was honest with me. He was. Well, <laughs> I think I think what gets it over is that I put Jeff Kent on my Hall of Fame ballot. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I think that was the deciding
0: factor. And, so the, do you, and the barbecue.
1: Do you play golf? Do you... Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, when I was a pro scout, I played golf. And I, you know, I was able to get it down to a single-digit handicap. I wasn't very good, but I got to play a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. I play once a year now. And it's closer to zero times a year because I I'm embarrassed how bad I am at it because I don't get any time to practice. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think hobby wise, like spending time with my family, i got, got a 15 month old right now, a daughter, uh, she's our first. So the free time that I get is usually with them, but if they're not awake or, you know, it's either early morning or late night, I, I love to read. Um, I'm passionate about the financial markets. It's something I spend time researching. Um, but yeah, just, behavioral economics, different books. I, I enjoy reading, and it's usually stuff that I think is applicable to our sport, um, whether it's directly or indirectly. <clears throat> it's usually where I spend most of my time. Okay. So you're not reading trash mysteries or something, no. True story. I, I've been trying to read The Count of Monte Cristo because everybody tells me it's one of the, the classics and it must be read. It's I'm going on three years now where I've tried to finish this. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to finish it because I don't start things and not finish. But my gosh, it's taken me quite some time. I was, I was a fairly prolific reader, and then I read
2: *Lonesome Dove*. Oh, which is 880 pages. Yeah, my God, I
1: was about to say how long did it. But take it's me? like
2: my favorite book. I mean, I plowed through it. I just, I, I really, it like took it all out of me. I mean, I, I don't read much anymore. It's a shame. But you know what? It's it, like it's like it's gonna, be, it's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. I used to, to read all the time too. It's gonna be hard to top. Top then I read the prequels, but it just.
0: I, I wasn't a huge reader uh, in my adolescence or, you know, in my teen years and even in college. Um, for whatever reason, I'm not sure. But once I got out of college, when I was in Seattle, um, somebody passed me a book, Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rain. Mm-hmm. yeah And reading that book, and, and it is a dense, arduous oh process gosh. to get through that book, let me tell you. <laughs> but the prose is really challenging and just a, a lot of things about it. But the the, the theme of it and where I was at in my life at the time, it really spoke to me and it just really opened up my mind like, what else is out there? And I've yeah. just been a voracious reader since and I, I really enjoy it. So,
1: man, when you get downtime, when you have kids that young too, I can imagine that's relaxing. I've got three, you've got two, I've got three. Mine are older now in high school. You'll be there one day. Wait till that comes. Now no, we're doing no, driving. No rush. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't. How many? You, you plan on having some more? Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. Wife, I- w- wife, it takes two to tango. but <laughs> yeah. you know, Wife willing, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, let's get into favorite food. All right, I mean, what's your favorite food? It's I'm not talking, We're gonna get into fast food, but when, when if you got a choice, what's the what's your meal? Are you a sushi guy, steak? What do you love? God,
0: I love sushi. I love pizza. If I have to pick a specific meal right now, it's been my wife's enchiladas for like the last three years. She's mm, got man. this killer recipe that is just.
1: So that's that. That answers the favorite home cooked meal and who cooks yeah. it. Yeah, it's y it's enchiladas. Now, what are they? Are they are they cheese? Are they beef?
0: They're or, beef. And the sauce is just unbelievable, and and we make uh, when we have visitors that come into town, I make her make them because they're so good, and everybody to a tee is like these are incredible. I've never had anything like this. So I'll be okay. over next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're gonna do well, it. Well, well, we're doing a the road show meetings. at Finstermakers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Part two. That's Part right. two. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. So fast food or any fast food joints that you hit, favorite ones? So I try not to eat fast food a whole lot, but um, I am a sucker for a good In and Out burger, and I. I Think that's the west coast, yeah. Yeah, Cody have you Friedman. had
1: a have you had a Whataburger?
0: I have, um, and and this is a healthy debate in the front office here, sure. I don't think it's close, and I'm for sure I'm turning off quite a few people, but I love myself in and out relative to Waterburger.
1: I like. What well, I like in and out, I'm a Whataburger guy, I grew up there, but I, like I said, you and I have discussed In and Out makes a good burger, yeah. They do, and I'm more right partial, and it's probably because I'm a Texas guy, I am more partial, but I do like In and Out burgers, they are good, and they're. Their service is unbeatable. They'll get it yeah. to you quick. I've never, like.
2: I've never gone to In-N-Out in Texas. No. No. Why? Because uh, it was such a treat. Uh, like when we were on the West Coast or Las Vegas out gambling, if you, if you do that thing. Yeah.
0: It was like a treat. And now it's like, eh. So my brother lives in New Jersey. And every time he visits, I would say if he's here for six days, 10 of his meals are at In-N-Out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's incredible. That's pretty good. Well
1: now, I mean in and out coming here, it's been great. We've got one right by the house that, that we hit up. Okay. Um what is something nobody knows about you?
2: This is our this is our, this is this is our, our grand finale. Question.
1: This is our grand finale. Have you heard some of the answers? Do you know J D has he has no. J D has airplane underwear. This, what? Is, what? Yeah. This thing, what is that? He brings two pair of underwear for every road trip, one for the ride there and one for the ride home. He goes, <laughs> I'm still here. So this is like, and you got to go say this in the front office. He's going to go give some crud there. He has airplane underwear. Uh, CY loves uh, true, true crime. crime he's, yeah. he's a big true crime documentary dude. When he gets his downtime, he loves to do that. Jack Lyder doesn't like peanut butter. He hates peanut Brock, butter. Brock
2: Burke, of course, the the sleepwalking. The sleepwalking. Oh yeah, that's I
1: discovered one. that. I'm the one
2: that discovered right, that fine.
1: before it became a big story. Uh, when he said that, and then you start talking to the other guys that roomed with him, and some funny stories came uh, out of that. But what is something nobody knows about you, Ross?
0: My goodness, man, on the spot, I, I don't know. Um, I think I probably alluded to it earlier. Like. Just this is boring, but how passionate I am about the financial markets. Like you know, I study them regularly and religiously, and have helped I think quite a few people. And their I guess you diversify pretty well. So what's what's the uh, (laughs) what's the so what what
2: is this right now with interest rates going up? Yeah. What's your advice to people?
0: I don't know if I have to do one of those disclaimers. (laughs) That's a good Uh, point. I don't want you get sued. So. No advice, but in terms of the way that I'm thinking about it is it's it's usually this is short term pain for, you know, hopefully long term gain for depending on where you're at in your cycle and investment. But just understanding that the interest rate environment has got a little bit of a a stranglehold on the markets and it's probably going to suppress them for a little bit longer. But long term, this should rectify itself. It's just really to curb inflation, things that we've maybe cooked a little bit too far fast at this point so all right you heard it there he
1: just gave you advice on word (laughs) it we're trying to get you in trouble anything else you got for us nope that's it hey guys ross listen we can't tell you not only did you stop down to come with us we'd have been great if you'd come on a zoom call coming in in the uh, studio here this is fantastic we really appreciate you coming in can't thank you enough you
2: endured my bad directions
1: (laughs) yes he ended up somewhere else because you can't tell him how to get here it's all right that's it. Well, That's
2: thanks it. We're for good. having me. I we're done, it, guys.
1: We're Ross Fenstermaker, guys, guys. We're gonna don't forget hit that subscribe button down there. We'll come back and close it out in just a minute. Ross, thanks for so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. was ross Fenstermaker? i'm gonna have problems every time ross that was here that
2: stir maker i know it's it's like fenster what's what's fenster was it was that one of the characters in the usual suspect i think it was i I don't think that was his name anyway
1: what what do i look i love that show i can't remember anyway
2: maker maker's part that's right ross f
1: ross ross f (laughs) who joined us right there guys uh again thanks for joining us hit that subscribe button down there yeah, Rangers today five ninety nine a month, sixty dollars for a year, thirty five dollars for six months. Yeah, Going to take a, us into the season.
2: That's a popular item, but yeah, that gets you that gets you past opening day. So
1: I'm telling you, once you get into this, when your renewal comes up, you automatically do it. You don't even think about it. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you're getting that news every day that it's coming up, and it's very inexpensive.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, sixty dollars divided by three hundred and sixty five. What is it? I, I mean, I can't do the math, but that's bar, that's a day. That's like 20 cents. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's less than 20 cents, I yeah. think. I don't know. I'm terrible at math. <laughs> You're anyway, it, it's a bargain.
0: 16, 16, 16 cents. cents. Joel, Joel coming through. He's 16 coming through. Cents. He's
2: our rain man. So 16 cents a day. You got 16 cents in your cow's kitchen every day. <laughs> Dude, I've got,
1: I've got enough in my cup holder right there, there to get know. me through months and months of stuff. Guys, listen, we appreciate you guys listening. The, the numbers have gone way up. We've got the subscribers. We need more. This is fantastic. We're going right. to come back next week. We got a guest on the hook coming in next week. I'm not going to announce it yet. We're going to double check, make sure schedules work out. But until then, guys, we'll see you at the yard.
0: Roxo Media House.